Welcome to the Trailer Park Review, now brought to you in 720p. Yay! So, Mark, we had some uh, issues the last couple of times we've tried to re record. Yeah, I'm, I'm not be talking third person all night. Uh, Morgantown Mark's stressed. Mor Morgantown Mark's not happy with the internet. Morgantown Mark misses the 90s. <laughs> so somehow I found a 720p setting on our, 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 my phone, and we're going to have a slight delay, so be with us. But it's better than us having the echo like we did on the Pantera show. Right, and I was, uh, I'm still pushing for 480. Sorry, folks. Uh, if you're watching this in high def, you don't need us. <laughs> this is kind of like trailer trash meets high high def here. All right. I'm going to do this on dial-up. Well, we, um, <laughs> we released our second show that seemed that people enjoyed it again. Over a 1,000 downloads. That was a review of Cowboys from Hell done on a random Monday night. Cause we had so many problems, but that was a great review. And just to go back and, and, um, touch on our last few, I think our next step into Van Halen is a logical step from Pantera because Eddie Van Halen had such a huge influence on Dimebag Daryl. Yeah. And you know, for, you know, the, the behind the scenes stuff, you know, we talk, Hey, what are we going to do next? Right. And the, what people don't know or didn't get to hear, was you and I debate back and forth. Wow, we need to do the first Van Halen album. And then here I am. Nope, no, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. And you're like, yeah, we need to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. we got to do Fair Warning. Like, well, we need Fair Warning. I don't know about that. So here we are. And, so the strange uh, thing about it, I, I would say Fair Warning is my second favorite album. But I definitely, I definitely fought for the first Van Halen album. And we're going to, that's going to be a subject today. Yeah, so let's talk about the first Van Halen yeah. album and why I wanted to do it. Mark, yeah, go there, and then I'm going to go where, where we wound up because you argued longer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't let it go, man, because I really love this album. Well, I, my my thought on doing the first Van Halen album was simply that it, I'd never heard anything like it, and Van Halen. Oh gosh, no! Van Halen one was such a revolution in music that I think it, it could be a whole different show. Uh, I think we'll probably, if there's, yeah, I, like, think it, I think it needs to be touched too. I mean, I'm not blowing at all. Yeah, I, don't, I think don't if think this that. show lasts a few months, we'll probably come back to Van Halen. Oh, we definitely have to. Multiple times, but your point to fair warning was what? And, and it was a good argument. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit too. So there's Van Halen one and two. Ted Templeman's all over it. It's also, if you really a Van Halen fan, there's the demo stuff, man. And it's just Eddie Van Halen would if you go and listen to the demo stuff, you'll find out he takes blocks of the best riffs and then puts them in another song. A different their last album with David Lee Roth when he got back in the band. It's just pieces and parts of the demo. So right. but then so we're here we are at fair warning before that was women and children first. And then before that, before that, to me, they're too poppy. And Ted Templeman had a formula that he figured it out with uh, Sammy Hagar and Montrose and all those guys. He didn't have enough ear listenable hits. Great well, band. Let me, and let then me here we there. are. Yeah. First question of the night. 
was it David Lee Ross inability to write lyrics that caused Ted Templeton to shoehorn the band? Cause they're great think, songs. Yeah, that's the a great question, are. man. And I don't think so. I think Ted Templeman had learned his lesson so much with Montrose. Cause if you think about it, man, that was a tight, good band. Great band. And for the music that was out of that era, it should, they should have been bigger than what they were. Yeah, of course. And Agar fronted that band. Uh, right. It's funny, it, yeah. So it's funny that you, we, we're still in Van Halen one, right? So it's funny that you said Sammy Hagar. Well, guess who Ted Templeman wanted for their lead singer? Was it the guy from Whitesnake? Maybe. <laughs> now, from what I've read, man, he want he actually wanted Sammy Hagar. So between the oh. demo, Gene okay. Simmons and Ted Templeman hearing him, uh, David Lee Roth went and took some vocal lessons so he could carry his weight with the band instead of being the show guy. I start singing a little bit. I I, uh, I I I'm in the era when David Lee Roth left after Van Halen '84, as I talked. Yeah, so that's what I was going to touch on that too. And this is where this is a crossroads. Another reason I wanted to do the album for me, man. So you got these poppy. They've got some hits. You know, they're redoing other people's songs. But you know, here's Van Halen, man. Van Halen to redo a song, but then they make it theirs. I mean, Pretty Woman. You know, man. Think about the Linda Ronstadt song that did. Van Halen made it theirs, and Linda Ronstadt had covered it from somebody else. But then we get to Fair Warning, and the, kind of the gloves are off. David Lee Roth and and Eddie Van Halen are kind of not getting along already. Eddie's about to get married. David's still kind of this freelance, free spirit guy, and it's turned into a camp. It's Don Landy. I'm going to get his name right. He was the engineer who went on to produce the other albums later. Yeah in their career. And then you had Ted Templeman and David Lee Roth in their camp. So you can feel the friction here, man. And three years later, studio 5150 shows up. Eddie's kind of getting, Hey man, I want more control of this stuff. So it's to me, that's another reason I love this album, man. So, so one, one more challenge to why, and we'll get back to the Landy stuff because right. Alex Van Halen says that Don Landy is the reason for 1984. Oh, with, his hands all over it. Which is one of my least favorite albums, which I had to defend to people when they saw this goes up. Why isn't it 84? We'll get to that in a minute, but right. could this also be an answer to Randy Rhodes in September of 1980 releasing Blizzard of Oz with Ozzy Osbourne and now he's on the road. He's the hot guitarist. And all of a sudden, you pick up the guitar magazines in 1980. And Eddie Van Halen has been bumped by Randy Rhodes. Man, I, I've, that's a, I've always read something into that because six months later, they record Fair Warning. So that, there you are, man. So that, you know, everything's on the internet now. There's a phone call that Eddie's just rambling. He's drinking a little bit. And, hating on Randy Rhodes. Yeah. And he, they're asking, the, the guy keeps asking about Randy Rhodes, man. And he goes, Are you kidding me? He's getting a little frustrated with it because I haven't showed you all my tricks yet. He goes, I can't show you all my tricks because I get copied all the time. So, and then, you know, Randy Rhodes is kind of doing his own thing, man. If you got the ear, he's more classical. Eddie's, man, Eddie's just, God gave him the ear to play and technique. And, and, and I got some other notes here on the stuff he did on this album. But yeah, dude, it was an answer to Randy Rhodes. And I'll be honest. I think Fair Warning put an end to that. 
I, I'm a huge I Randy Rose fan. I, I do but, think there was some heat between Eddie Van Halen, the other, not just Randy Rhodes, but all the LA guitarists. Oh man, yes, so interesting, you know. To the point that he actually began playing shows pre Van Halen one with his back to the audience because these guys, uh, Tracy Gunn is another one I've heard. Yeah. Uh, that and and but the phone call to Randy Rhodes in that he goes, he said something to affect this effect, Mark. Randy Rhodes is a great player, you know, he was a mitt, and Randy Rhodes is a great player, but he's like, the guy copies everything I do. Was that was that anger, a little bit of booze, or was that truly Eddie Van Halen going, I want to do my own thing and I don't want people copying me? I, I see, and I read, I read into it like this too. So, I mean, let's be honest. To be that good, you got to have a little ego, and, and absolutely the ego to get good. You know, and everybody that's good has an ego. So, I think that it was more. Hey, I'm not, I'm not that. There's more guys on the block now. Yeah, and he was having a little trouble with that. Yep. That said, uh -huh. that's the reason I love this album. Eddie Van Halen finally shows. I mean, I, I pause. I played that album to get ready for the show. And I'm like, dude, it's 40 years old. Yeah. I'm still blown away with it. If it wasn't for the internet, I'd still be trying to figure out how he did some stuff. So it's just an amazing album. Let me ask and you. And it's the worst selling album. Go figure on that one. People love I, pop. I've got three or four people giving me real negative comments about this album. And, 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 and that's fair. If they don't like the album, I, I'm not going to hate on them. But this is the least selling Van Halen album, the least radio popular album. There's not a but, single hit on it. Uh, but I think this was an album. I go back to, I saw Van Halen on the 84 tour, and they opened the show with Unchained. <laughs> I think Tomorrow. the band loved this album, especially Eddie yeah. Van Halen. Alex Van Halen, too, from what I read, really loved it, too. And, dude, so real quick, just, we got to pull the Band-Aid off here. This was their worst-selling album. And I'm not, I don't know who you who gave you the grief over it, but there's a kind of a, there's a dividing line here. Uh, the people who love it, this is, to me, it's Van Halen's only heavy metal album. Uh, uh, yeah. That's why good. a lot of people don't like it. They like the keyboard and jump. Oh, yeah. This is dark, dirty, and punchy. I yeah. love and the reason I love it. it. To me, I like hard rock. I don't like poppy rock. Do and, you still uh, fills up? Do you think this is the end? Because Diver Down was recorded in fifty one fifty, and if you hear the production quality of fifty one fifty, I mean of uh, Diver Down versus Fair Warning, the production is not even close. Diver Down. Oh. Diver Down sounds like 1982 for the folks that ain't listened to it. You might as well be a lead-in to 1984. Um, right. So, yeah. This so is the really quick. gritty Van Halen album. So, yeah. So, I got to pick on Ted Templeman. So, if it, if, you know, I, I get it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, their albums are selling, man. And then, you know, he does the, you know, this is where Eddie Van Halen and Ted Templeman got into it. Eddie was wanting not I wouldn't say overdubs, but he was wanting more of the dynamic sound. And they wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do any kind of backtrack, anything like that. 
you know, if, you, if you're a Van Halen fan, you know, you turn the balance over to the right and you can hear Eddie isolated. It was cheap reverb. They did turn it down and it, it's low production value. And that said, they did this and I got I got to look at my note here. They did this. This is incredible. They did this record in 12 days. They did this record pretty grand. Yeah. You know, Ted Templeman got him in there and got him out. The, the reason, I, another reason I love this album, he got him in and he got him out. But all the stuff prior to that was their club circuit days. They got to play it live. They got to figure out what the audience liked, what the audience didn't like. This was the first album that, hey, man, we get new material more or less. We're coming in, we're writing it, and we're getting out. And it's real rough around the edges somewhat. And I like that. I finally get to see Van Halen. You know, they've been playing a long time for that first album ever came out. Especially you go hear the demo stuff. So that's another reason I, I really like this album. I can't believe it, it only took them 12 days to record it. And then, you, like you said, the, the, you got the sequel, Diver Down, which you got to talk about. That's where the, they, they were pushed to do Diver Down. One song so they could have a single to make up for this album that it wind up being an album. Yeah. I'm a fan of Diver Down, but it's it's... It's the formula album too, because they're doing covers again. So interesting you would say that. My next question was going to be what Diver Down was a forced album because this album Unchained had some radio play. Is it Love was the first single which didn't even chart. Yeah, it fizzled uh, pretty quick. Diver Down is single after single, two huge hits out of two cover songs. Uh Dance the Night Away, which I it blogs my mind still to this day i made but it there diver, diver down is the album everybody wants to die on the tree with oh i love van halen i love diver down diver down is not a great musical album would you say no well so you know i look for my little tidbits there cathedral wow uh, it's van halen again it's eddie van halen but showing you not showing you all these tricks yet. And uh, I'll be honest, man. So like the other albums that came before this one, I, I, I listened to Van Halen, but I couldn't tell you I was a fan. And it's funny. I got to talk. I got to date myself here. So I was like, man, I, I really want to talk about how I got this album in my hands. So people are not going to remember this stuff. There was a local radio station. It was IMZ out of Knoxville. I could get at my house. Yeah. Midnight every once in a while, they would play the whole album. You're like, man, why would they play the whole album? Well, back then, the rich kids had a dub deck that they could record off the air to cassette tape. Well, I didn't have that. So I put my microphone to the speaker and recorded it. Oh, it's terrible. But, man, I got blown away with it. When I finally played it, I was like, what is this? Especially the first song right out of the gate. I mean, man, and like I said, too, Another reason I like it, it didn't really have any hits. So, all the, oh, man, I'm a big Van Halen fan. Yeah, go yeah, go off and go listen. The heavy metal guys, we had finally had our own record. And this was it. So, uh, let's let's talk about, uh, and, and folks, there's only nine songs. We're going to get all nine, but we, we're going to, yeah. this is something that's real personal for us. Uh, uh, we had a couple of influences in our life that really drug us to Van Halen. One was uh, uh, our friend Darren Cochran, who was a bass yep. player. 
He loved Van Halen. And I was like, man, Van Halen, I don't know about that. He was the first guy that really loved Van Halen. And I went to the first show I ever went to pre-1984 with Darren uh, to the old Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Yeah, that was a great Probably 11,000 people in a 6,000-seat arena. Right. And uh, it was the Diver Down Tour. And I, I, it took me seeing Van Halen live to get it. Uh, but, yes, yeah, that's another thing Ted Templeman tried to do. He tried to emulate the live sound. And uh, Eddie's trying to really push away from that. So they, he was they even changed the studio the, setup. He was even in the studio having them play through short stacks and trying to record almost a live sound at times. Right. Yep. So and uh, they finally they went to they went to less in this album too they went to the studio amps and then less backups. Michael Anthony is a uh, kind of on hiatus in this album, which is not a bad thing. And every once in a while, you know, the campy little backup lyrics. I'm not, you know, I'm okay with. Yeah. Well, this is you don't. You don't really hear Michael's voice a lot, but this may be his best album as far as bass playing. I, yeah, uh, and it's loud and it's rude and it's. I it's think, punchy. I think it, it, it's punchy, and you know another reason I like this. It's going to sound derogatory in this day and age. I don't think you can say it, but I'm going. To, I'm going to pull the bandaid off. Van Halen prior to this, I, th I thought it was a chick band. A lot of girls in school loved him. They loved David Lee Roth. Oh, yeah. God, David Lee Roth. Oh, Eddie's so cute. And I, I'm like, man, I just want to hear some music, man. And this came out. And I was like, okay, this is going to end it for a little bit. Another reason I liked it. And then the second influence we had was a college friend of ours who played oh, guitar, who would play note for note. Oh, gosh. Hours and hours of Eddie Van Halen and just was obsessed with playing every bit the same as Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, I mean, the same, like getting down to what Picky used, uh, yeah. setting up the guitar. I remember Glenn's amp. Man, I'm going to nod my head off the Glenn reel. Uh, I remember that Fender amp he had, and he, he that thing was heavily modded, which influenced me. I started modding my stuff, and then years later, I was really into modding. Uh, but yeah, Glenn, Glenn, the tip of the hat. And that's when I, I went from a, I say a fan of Van Halen when this one came out to Glenn being my influence to like, Hey man, there's three albums I like and they're, you know, they're fair warning diver down. And I know you hate 84. I love 84 and that, you know, the rest of them, nah, I'll listen to them, but they're not my, I, I wouldn't say they're my favorite. Do you know what's better? Brownstown is really dialed in now. Do you know what's better? I'd like 1984 if I could just cut the track and jump out of it. Just that one track, I would. I would probably move it. Hey, out. real funny thing, real quick. This is sick, but uh, Roth wrote the lyrics, seeing a guy wanting to jump off a building and kept crawfishing on it and wouldn't jump, and then he came up with the lyrics. That's, I mean, oh, that, that makes me actually like it a little better. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm really careful that song even more now, but. Might as well jump. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway. Well, <laughs> b before we get into the album, I got one more little section that I really kind of researched I want to talk to you about. Yeah. If And I don't know how much you've looked into it, but everybody has... Uh, Eddie Van Halen's influenced a countless generation of guitars. Oh, my gosh. 
who do you think, or who would be your opinion, would be his most influential guitarist to him? And I was kind of shocked by this. Uh, Alan, uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Alan Hollinsworth? Hollinsworth? He does love, he does talk about Alan Hollinsworth. Yes. More of a temporary. When he was talking about influences, he talked about one guy that he said he was poor and he could only afford one set of albums. And it's ironic till I knew this, I didn't hear this, but now that I know it, I hear it. Evidently he was obsessed with Eric Clapton. You know, I've read that too. You know, this funny, uh, you got slow hand, right? Yeah. And then you got Van Halen. I'm like, but they said that, uh, when he was a kid, he would skip school so he could master every solo and like from cream to whatever that Clapton did. And uh, I, I'll be honest, I mean, I'm going to go off on a sidetrack here. In my youth, I did not appreciate Eric Clapton. And uh, now I do, and I kind of see why Eddie Van Halen would. I, uh, I do too. Great, great sound, great notes, great, just all around good guitars. And it's funny what you don't appreciate, you know, as youth, you like the flash and the technique, right? And then later right. you're like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, no, I, 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 that, I can see that. I can see it a lot, especially in cream. And also, I think, um, his second influence he talked about was Bach Vivaldi, his dad being a classical music. This guy was really educated on theory of music and how to write music correctly. Yeah, so, you know, there's his dad. And it's funny that you said Bach. So, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm great because I, I hack. But I play Bach on my bass. And because his music, the Baroque type music that he wrote, it translates really, really well to a keyboard. And if it translates really, really to, good to a keyboard, it translates really well to a bass. Well, lo and behold, this album was mainly written on keyboards. And Eddie Van Halen was, you know, played the piano way before he picked up a guitar. He did. He really pushed it, and I see that. And you know, you know, back to Glenn, or you know, back to our influences. Glenn pushed me to listen to Bach just because it helped develop your ear. I get it. You know, I'm not going to say that Van Halen is Bach, Mozart, classical music, but uh, Eddie Van Halen is going to go down in history as one of our gifts that we got up there with the other greats. So, Mark, I also made this statement, and I've been crucified for it a little bit on some, some of the boards over the year. I don't know if Eddie Van Halen's the best lead player. But oh, man. Doubt, yeah, yeah. Okay, without a doubt, going. Eddie Van Halen is the best rhythm guitarist ever to walk the face of the earth. So it's funny you said that. Back to the youth, right? So yeah. when I was young, Eddie Van Halen, all right, eruption, all that. So when I got older, and I'm gonna say, I guess I mellowed out or my ears changed. Hearing his rhythm work, and then it really didn't dawn on to me, and I hate to say it, to when he passed away and went back and listened to the catalogs again, just trying to soak it in, you know, and you're like, oh, my God. He was a great rhythm guitarist, and he's melodic, and his guitar especially shines on this album. 
with Roth, you know, and think about it, man. How would you like to play with Roth? I, I personally wouldn't. He scats too much, too much of a showman. But Eddie can make that guitar sing along with him. To me, that's another talent. It's, to me, pretty amazing, actually. And well, uh, Just yeah. the point about Roth, I, and I, I do agree with you. He was kind of a, he's a little bit nuts. But he almost takes a bad, like a song like Dirty Movie, that we're going to talk about. Makes but it also, camp, makes it good. And he'll have one line in it that makes it acceptable in general public because now it's humor. And right. I can't think of how many times in a Van Halen song, and it's not it's not John Lennon and Paul McCartney, one writing Roses and Sunshine. Oh, yeah, man. But, but he's almost, Ralph has a, a very strange ability to almost come up with a, hilarious line in a song that changes the whole meaning of the song. Yeah. And it's funny you said that. I think that's, you know, I told you my first, my favorites are this one, Diver Down and 84 and then 5150 and all those with Van Hagar. I'm not, I'm not on board anymore. And I think that swagger, that showmanship, that circus Barker, I know there's two different singers here, but, Van Halen was gone after that. As much as you love or hate David Lee Roth, he is part of Van Halen. Absolutely. So. Getting ready for this, Mark. I was sitting here. I was thinking about the late Brad Jenkins, our friend that passed away. Yeah. And Darren and I crammed in to old Knoxville Coliseum. And I think about it completely dark. And I mean, I, I got, I wish you could see it up close enough. I got chill bumps right now. Just thinking about it. Completely black. You hear you hear just and, and they do it intentionally. All bands do it. Just a little right. riff or something to oh, they're there. The curtain comes up or the lights come on. I think it was the lights. I don't remember having a curtain. And the notes to unchained hit. Oh my God, man. I can't imagine. I, I get it just go, like go water. To, yeah, to this day. Um, and that's maybe why Unchained is my favorite Van Halen song because I right. truly felt like that night that was a, Unchained was the first time I heard Van Halen the way it was supposed to be, and that was live. Right. Um, this is a yeah. live band. So I think the other thing that gets lost too. So this album starts a riff, a riff between the camp of Dave Lee Roth and Eddie Van. The, yeah. I'm gonna just say the Van Halen brothers. So, you know, you and I got to see David Lee Roth on the Eat Em and Smile Tour. Great tour. Great band. Amazing. And that's when I really got my division going with the Van Hagar. Uh, David Lee Roth, from that, you know, that solo album he had that was terrible to Eat Em and Smile where he blew the roof off. He's a showman. Scott's he a good album. And he's got a good ear. Uh, kind of lost it at the end. I think he went a little nuts, but so there's a lot of dynamics going on here with this album. It's going to turn into a fork in the road. And by the time 84 shows up, the wheels have now come off, so which is a they, shame. You never get it back. It's just, uh, but we get these albums, man. And David that's why Roth was so prepared to leave Van Halen, Mark, that Edelman Smile was on the radio two years before I think I ever heard Van Hagar or Van Halen with Sammy. Oh, no. It was in major tours, sold out arenas. 
Billy Sheehan on the road, Steve Byte on the And I really believe that David Lee Roth, being so difficult to play, probably destroyed that band. And he kept finding substitute players. And they just wouldn't substitute for Steve Byte and Billy Sheehan and Greg Passanet. Yeah. Once those guys left, it was over. So, you know, they, and, you know, Billy Sheehan brought a lot of his his stuff from Tylus. So, anyway, another album, another time. But it just I, shows you as much as we like to stand up for albums that get kicked under the table, I promise you at some point, Edelman Smile will make this show because it is truly a great album uh, that was probably post-produced while he's still on product uh, tour with Van Halen in 1980. Yeah, and it, I'll be honest, man. I know we're here to talk about Fair Warning, but when I heard Edelman Smile, I'm Boom, my head exploded, especially for coming from a bass player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just it was hard to get that material. So anyway. So we anyway. have and we've got three albums out, three huge albums. Van Halen's up. The number one uh, as hot a torn band is in the country. We have Van Halen one. We had Van Halen two. We had women and children first. They're touring. The record company's making a ton of money. Here comes Fair Warning. And the first thing that starts in the studio is Eddie Van Halen and Don Handy starts racing the masters and redubbing Eddie's parts over without Ted Templin's knowledge. Does, does that add I love the, 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 the special feel of fair warning? It does. And so I, you know, researching this, you know, I've always said this album sounds mean and PO. It does. It really does. Well, guess what? Eddie Van Halen was mad and PO'd and it came across and it was awesome. You know, I hate to say it, emotions, you know, man, that's the reason hard rock, I still love it. It's an emotional music, you know. It's kind of, you know, you know, get it out, you know, with the with the instrument instead of pop music where you're dancing. Who cares? This is showing Eddie Van Halen's a little bit of his dark side. And with him staying up late with Don and then remixing stuff, they said Ted Templeman came back in and didn't even notice it. Yeah, yeah. That right there speaks volumes. They've been so, going for the formula, for the hit, for the sound. Here we go. No, sorry, not. This is the first 10 seconds of Fair Warning, Mark. Mind-blowing. Now get ready. Well, I've got, uh, I've got clips limited to 10 seconds, so let me... <laughs> Folks, we're trying not to get kicked off the air. Here we go. The first 10 seconds. That's angry, Mark. And that said, man, I got to go back to my youth. So I told you I bootlegged that thing off the radio. When I first played it, I had it in the car where I could crank it up and the parents would get mad at me. I was like, what in the butt is that? And, uh, you know, it took me years to figure out what he was doing there. We're not even in the song yet. No. This, I, I, Man, I, I just got goosebumps hearing it. It sounds horrible, but it's true, you know? I said, I said in our, our private text, I could spend the whole hour, an hour and a half, talking about Mean Street. Um, it's a song that people don't, if you don't like fair warning, just 
take everything out and listen to Mean Street and just listen to the guitar part and you will be obsessed. Yeah, so I, I want to do it. So people that I, I want to make sure somebody found this guy on YouTube. I've been watching him for years. He's a Japanese chef in Japan who knows hardly any English. He up late at, he's up late at night and he plays in his little cafe. And he plays Van Halen perfect. And they got like a Van Halen tribute band in Japan. So I'm going to spell this out. It's S-A-T-S-U-M-A-3042. He's on YouTube. If you do not appreciate this album, give yourself a pause and go watch this guy. Because there's not that many, you know, we're talking 40 years ago. There's not that much stuff that's on the internet where it shows Eddie Van Halen's technique. You'll see a guy on YouTube trying to rip off, go, this is how he did it. And you're like, no, he didn't do it like that at all. This guy does, and you'll really appreciate what is happening well, with this album. Great point. Our friend Glenn Turner, which we'll refer to a few times in this show, he was such right. Eddie Van Halen. He said he learned every Van Halen song wrong before he learned oh. to play them right. And it's easy to do. You can reproduce eruption with a pick in your fingers. Yep. But that's not the way he did it, though. Well, and so we touched on this earlier. Eddie Van Halen was sandbagging everybody, too. If you look at the Frankenstat, you know, it's got the three pickups in it. Dude, he even had wires going to it, and he left it exposed where everybody could see those wires if they did a big close-up picture of it. They weren't hooked up. They were dead. They were dead pickups. The one in the back was the one he normally played with. He got yes. tired of getting off. And this album, he's coming right out of the gate. And it's like, oh, you thought that's all I could do? Boom. First, The first song. He's doing that slap funk. Oh, and he's in a low E for the first time. And here we are, too. He's gone back to the vault. This used to be a song back in the demo days called Voodoo Queen. And then the riff in the middle of the song is from She's the Woman back to their demo days. I love hearing their demo stuff. You go, hey, I've heard that before. He and I got to give Eddie Van Halen credit. If it worked, he would take it and put it in the song. So, but this slapping technique that he's doing, where he's just up and down, I, it's forty. I, we keep I keep saying it's forty years ago, and I'm still amazed by it. It's an amazing so, song. That's that's funny. You had mentioned that part of that song. I was going to play my second little area here is from the middle of the song, right? And, and we've we've transitioned into a completely different song. So let me play this. Ten seconds. You so we'll announce later on who we're going to do next week. Right. But is that not a Texas blues riff going on in the middle? Yeah. Of this so you know, tip of the hat. There's a you know bottoms up and all that. That's a tip of the hat to Texas swing. So. Yeah, and then you got those lyrics. Uh, David Lee Roth finally had a home run with this stuff, and it works. And you know something we didn't touch on. You played that song. Alex Van Halen's tearing it up, and that bottom end riff that uh, Michael Anthony's playing. Michael Anthony doesn't get enough credit. And I think, be honest, I think Eddie Van Halen held him back a lot, and that's where there was a riff with those two at the at the very end. There's some articles that Eddie said, well, I played the bass on that and I played the bass on this. Some of that might be true, but if, you, if you're if you into Michael Anthony's style, he's a very, very solid bass player. 
who got outshined by David Lee Roth, Alex Van Halen, and Eddie Van Halen. It's hard. It's hard to look good when you got that kind of stardom in front of you. I once heard up on all cylinders. I once heard being the bassist and Van Halen was a bit equivalent to being the best, the fourth best racer on Hendrick Motorsport. I'm great, but I'm Jimmy Johnson. Dale Earnhardt yeah. Jr. and Jeff Gordon in front of you. And that's what yeah. it was equivalent to. So, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think, I, I, I think Mean Street was a real good tone for this album. And, and I came back to Mean Street and, and it's hard. That song's hard for me to give anything but a nine five. I mean, see, I'm, you know, me, yeah, all or nothing, right? Dude, this yeah. is a team. Uh, Esquire magazine rated this album 75 albums every man should own. Yeah. So there you are. Oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Van Halen fan. I love Jump with this, right? Whatever. This is the album to have. And right out, like you said, right out of the gate, he's nailing They're all nailing it. Everybody on this song is just, dude, they're smoking it. I give it a 10. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Unchained's coming up and nothing could be yeah. like that. Um, the next tune, uh, next song oh, is man. Dirty Movies, which I, I love. I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a campy, it's, to me, it's David Lee Ross' best, best Look part of the album. Uh, <laughs> the lyrics are just obscene, no other way to put it. And, uh, the song is kind of that Van Halen talk, you know, but yeah. Um, so here, here's a little geeky tidbit. So, you know, Eddie Van Halen gets credit for being the lead and then a rhythm guitarist. But, man, that guy would just – he had an ear. And he if he didn't like it, he kept tweaking it and or get another instrument and kept playing with it. So this kind of leads to, you know, he didn't like the sound. He was playing a Les Paul Jr. to try to get the sound out of this song to keep up with Roth. Now – he gets a saw and cuts a guitar so he can get his hand closer to the fretboard and do another technique to get up in there. Nobody does that. Eddie Van Halen did. And uh, it definitely gives it a, a different sound to this uh, this song. And I'm not going to say it's one of my favorites, but it's it's definitely David Lee Roth, Van Halen. And then something else, too, you got David Lee Roth singing on it, and there's Eddie keeping up with him, and he's singing with the, his guitar, more or less. I want to I play a little snippet of this song. It's one of my favorite parts of this song. Mark, that's not the lead. That's a break that's kind of in there between verses. And, and there is some... Um, Roth following Eddie Van Halen in that area of that song that really intrigues me. And another reason I like this song, when David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen got along, they made magic. And this song, if you take the lyrics out, the music's great. And I've heard that this song was written about Amber Lynn, who used to be a porn star. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. But it's you definitely... the lyrics. It's, it's really yeah. possible. And I love that look at baby now. <laughs> this is a song. Let me, let me give you a little warning. This is not the song to play with your 11-year-old daughter in the car. With. No. 
That's the back of my fast forward rule. Yeah. My daughter's car. And what was that? Nothing. I so what, what would you rate this song out of the 10? What would you give it? I like this song. I, I gave it a 7.5, but I think I like it because it's a it's Animal House, the movie on four in, uh, four minutes of vinyl, you know? Right. And I, I give it a seven. I really like you got the campiness going on, but man, the song's great. They're, they're, the, everything works. It's time to say goodbye to your time. I think what? I think this song could have the music to this song could have had different lyrics put over it and been a real significant song. Yes. The, the music is probably better than the the lyrics, which, I, you know, again, I have I, you, know, I, I, you know, we weren't there and they recorded this at Sunset Sound. But man, I just got a feeling there's a big bottle of Jack Daniels on the, on the mixing board there and they're chugging it going, hey, why not? Why not? And they're giggling. This so. would this would definitely be a <laughs> three a.m. song. Uh, I'll yeah. go with that. And they're giggling. And they're giggling. And this is a song we would record if we were twenty. Yeah. Oh, and I would be giggling. I mean, just just let's don't lie about it. Or go all high, high and mighty on it. <laughs> this would have best I, song I, ever. I wrote my notes. If Beavis and Butthead had a recording studio. Yeah, that would have been it. So. <laughs> Center Swing, Mark. I, I really find I, I like this song. It's not the greatest song, but I do think this is a good rock moment, and it's kind of a campy song. And it's, you know, I think there's some foreshadowing to what happens in 1984. I think yep. this may be a little foreshadowing to David Lee Ross' solo career. Yeah, you can you can hear it budding, you know. He had crazy. He had stuff after Eat Him and Smile, but I don't listen to it. Skyscraper or something, by. But you know, he had you know Crazy from the Heat, which was all a little campy, and then Eat Him and Smile. And with this song, you hear. Looking back, you're like, uh oh. Here you're like, man, this is a little bit more David Lee Roth than everybody else. I, I, I like I, the song though. Yeah, I do like the song and. Uh, late in the song, there's a lead break that I really love. Um, and again, folks, Mark's going to be playing some stuff here in a minute. We're yeah, trying I'm to limit, limit it to uh, 10 seconds. But I, Mark, I, I really think this is the highlight of this song. That is really the intro. The outro on that is just really it's campy. You're you're you know you're kind of it's one of those you come down you're driving and you've not really enjoyed the song. Song's going up and you look up at your hand and you're just you're pounding on the steering wheel. That right. So man, the reason I'm snickering over here, man. So you know, I think I might be a sophomore in high school when this came out, and my dad hated David Lee Roth. Hated David Lee Roth. The whoop yap and all that. I made sure that song you just played, right where you just played, was cute. So he'd hear it and I'd hear my dad grumble, grumble, grumble. And I'd be like, <laughs> I still play it for dad. I'm, you know, I'm in my mid 50s. He's in his 80s. Hey, dad. <laughs> and he's like, oh, God, turn that up. <laughs> I love it. Sorry. It was great. 
I love that little section of the song. Me too. Um, <laughs> overall, it's a solid album song. I, I, I think I, I, I really, I, I think this is another one in the seven, seven and a half range. Yeah, and it's not a filler song. I, you know, a lot of albums, you know, there'd be two or good three, two to three songs that might be good on it. You took a chance when you bought it. This was not one of those. This was a, not a filler song. It's a great song. It's a Van Halen song. I love everything about it. I give it an eight. I, I went seven and, and a what? half. Um, and I, I think it's the closer we get to Unchained, the more I, I, I start hitting fast forward, though. And, and again, well, funny you said that. So the next song is one of my favorite all-time songs. It is all a time. great song, and, and, and I'm talking about any band. And uh, Eddie Van Halen is using he he got copied a lot, especially later in the '90s. He's using a Stratocaster, stock pickups, with a chorus and a delay. That wound up being the go-to sound for the late '80s and early '90s. I, I very, keep talking about this song. Very, very flangy sound at times, yep. but it's a very recognizable Van Halen song. So let's yeah, go ahead. So I've, got it, I've got it queued up, and I'm going to really cheese ball it. But uh, I'm watching the timer, too, so I don't so want to get sick. we've not got a warning flashed up. All right, so here we go. Good. That's That's exactly my favorite part of the song. Man. Anyway, that's one foot out the door, and uh, that's not the song. So uh, let me go back yeah. to other cues. So, hey, the good thing is, is it wasn't ten seconds. Yeah, you didn't get my so, sarcasm, uh, and that's my favorite part of the song. So I'm trying to get there. While you're talking uh, about yeah, it, gosh. this was um, internet. This song was the last track on album. So I originally got the album. And this was the last song on side four. I used to play this song and then go to side two. And then, then I would play the first three songs. So I had this little strange pattern that I would, I'd follow side foot one song four, flip it over side two song one. So you've got now what a CD is. You got kind of a flow from, hear about it later and then to unchained which we kind of established right. i love so um okay so i'm getting to kick up here i'm sorry uh you're right. uh, here we go and i'm about to pause it that was 12 seconds so we won't get dang now when i first heard that i was blown away again I, I still don't get it. it. His ear, you know, he's supposed to be fast and, and, and burn the fretboard up, and he's not. He slowed it down. The ear's getting to get tickled. I, I love everything about this song, man, and uh, pretty passionate about it. I actually play that riff on my bass. It's, uh, to me, it's amazing work. I get goosebumps talking about it. There is so many places in this song. Now, randomly, we didn't set up our cues. Here's my cue I had set up. That to me 
and it's not the playing, it's the ultimate Van Halen sound. That chorus. Yeah, and it is Van Halen. It's I a precursor that, to Diver Down, too. Yeah, if I heard that sound anywhere in America on any disc and in any disc, any I know that sound. That is the one place you get the full Michael Anthony falsetto behind David Lee Roth, yep. behind Eddie Van Halen, just playing a killer rhythm. Just it's that to me. Well, the that, bass that, line that, in it too, where they, in the middle of there, where it's you know, dude. I mean, I can go on and on and on about this song. They nailed it. They sound like Van Halen. They're very at this moment in this song. They're a very functional band, and it's hard to believe they did this in twelve days. You think about it, go back to Metallica and the Black Album. How long that thing took. And they're about to go re-release it, you know, with 30 extra songs and all the, the heavy production and Bob Rock. You got the opposite of this. These guys walk in like rock stars and nailed it and got out. We're, we're going to talk 40 about grand in just one second. I want to play one more clip. Yep. I thought Van Halen was the best intro, outro band of the era. The outro to this song, I just absolutely love. We dropped uh, Mark there. Let's see if he's back. I, I'm going to have to start paying my internet bill. I don't know <laughs> yeah. what's a good deal here. Sorry, like that 12 seconds. That 12 seconds of that afro. I was like, I started playing it and looked up. And I was like, well, y'all, Mark's gone. So Mark's gone. He's gone. Man. But that outro, it just, I love Van Halen's outro. I mean, I, what I hate worse. It is a pet peeve of mine, Mark. Don't just have the song fade out. Put a logical conclusion to the end of the song. Van Halen always able to do that. Yep. Unlike Metallica. What? Right, you're yeah. in trouble again. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Make All it right. I gave this song, I was torn. I had two grades for this song. I was between an 8.5 and a 9.5. So I settled on a 9. 10. 10, and I knew it was coming. All right, Mark. We're an hour into this. So let's pick it up and flip it to the other side. Side two. Yep, bang. While we're while we're, in, we're taking a little intermission, I want to ask you about a couple of things with the album. The art artwork album was completely different than all other Van Halen albums, done by a Canadian artist who symbolizes his youth, troubled youth, being bullied. Been I thought it was great. I didn't realize it till years later that it's just all the evil images of a kid being basically run into the dirt. Yep, and Alex Van Halen pushed it, thank goodness. I think it's their best cover album, art-wise. Um, I do like it. You're going to hate me. I love that, the cover to 84, too. I do like the cover to 84. Uh, yeah, and I think this one's better, 84 second. 
the rest of them. I like that. I hate. I think the word Van Halen one. That's just cheese ball. But uh, whatever. Uh, I swear I would be a bigger fan of '84 if it just hadn't been run every way but sideways. I can't listen to it now. I've heard it so many times that I can't. I can go back and I can right. listen to any of the first five albums and feel okay about it. I'm 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 a yep. fairly I'm fairly good with some of the early Van Hagar stuff. I went and seen Van Halen with Sammy Hagar and I I enjoyed it, but I realized it was a different band. When I went, I, I accepted that that wasn't Van Halen, you know. So, was that look because I said I enjoyed it? I'm a I'm a Sammy Hagar fan. I saw him during his solo work. He was bombed out of his mind and would introduce a song wrong, and the band had to figure out what he was really wanting to play. Yeah. He opened up for ZZ Top. It was terrible. He still put on a good show. I think he needed a wheelchair to get out there. I think we were both there. But, was that the night the guy yeah. came with the liquor bottle? Don't what's that flying through the air? <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it now. Our buddies who did it and never were a great shot and should have been playing for the Braves, but the the, yeah, the, the nerve. They they got cut out pretty quick. Uh, Golly, they were terrible. So well, how was your feeling of the Van Hagar era? Van Van Halen, Van Sammy Hagar and Van Halen. Nope. So I went no. to the, the Birmingham Jefferson Center and saw Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. And I got to admit, I enjoyed it. What I did not enjoy was hearing Sammy Hagar sing classic Van Halen. I really. Yeah. For those. So did you see them in the BJCC? Yeah. Yeah. So people that don't know this, Birmingham has got the BJCC. I saw Alice in Chains there. Great concert. That is an amazing venue. It is. Oh my God. If you want to hear it, and this like it's an opera house. It is an amazing place to hear music. You need to go there and hear a band play there. If it's just two guys with a fiddle and a banjo. It's uh I'm jealous that you got to hear them there. Yeah, but I'm not jealous that you saw Van Halen or Van Hagar. I just did I don't think it worked. I guess I in my mind, I broke the bands into two different bands because I, yeah, was, me like, too. I was like, okay, this is, it's kind of like with um, Journey and Santana. You know, most of the guys that started Journey were originally players wow. in Santana. If you listen to Neil Shonen in, oh. in Santana, he's an amazing, amazing guitarist. And then in Journey, he's, he's a great guitarist that wants to make it records. Right. And I think that, you know, and I'm not picking, picking on Hagar. The reason I don't like it. So by the time 84 was showing up, the Brown sound was going away and it was still great, but it wasn't, you know, that dirty, you know, I think, I think it, the Brown sound actually went away with Diver Down. Uh, by the time Van Hagar showed up, it was a ter to me my ear was hearing something totally different even eddie was playing different guitars different amps different effects and i just didn't like it i my my ear didn't like what it was hearing compared to the early stuff i so. i discovered it later early on i was very anti 
Sammy Hagar. Um, I actually, I, I took a girl with Van Halen. And I was like, I, you know, I've seen Van Halen like five times. I'm really, I'm not excited about this. I'm, I'm big. I'm going, bud. Yeah. And then we were there and she like elbowed me halfway through the show. And she's like, when Eddie Van Halen plays a note, you're still jumping out of your seat like you're 12. Yeah. And I was like, yep. it, it's still, it's still Eddie Van Halen. It's still, I have not a person that puts rock and roll people on pedestal you know right. me i'm more of a sports guy when it comes to that yeah well yeah and you're going to get disappointed if you do too right but there's a place i put eddie van halen that's not just a musician i hold him in some esteem as a true genius and someone that was different and if i've almost fought people that would dare to say eddie van halen isn't the greatest guitarist of this generation and that's the esteem i hold him in right so I'm I'm gonna I feel like there's a gorilla in the room that needs to be talked about. So I'm a huge Eddie Van Halen fan. I think he was a gift to us that'll go down in history as you know one of the best musicians, Mozart, Bach, all that. That said, there's two Eddie Van Halens for me. There's Clean Eddie and Substance Abuse Eddie, and I love Clean Eddie. The substance abuse, you know, he treated Hagar like crap. He treated Michael Anthony like crap. I get that he put his son in the band. It is Van Halen. That said, when he was clean and he was on fire, he was unstoppable. And that's another reason I like this album. In 1981, if you want to go, there's not much on YouTube, but you can go find some stuff out there. And he is incredible yeah. on fire. And especially the live stuff. Now, I got to give a tidbit. It's supposed to be in the Van Halen Vault. There was a fourth video made for this album, and they're singing with dinosaurs in a dinosaur park. There was a reason it's in the vault. It's out on YouTube now, and it is god-awful. I got to go look that up. Oh, no. It's horrible. It needs to have a train coming right through the middle of it for the train wreck that you're watching. Whoever thought that was a good idea was smoking the guns because it is terrible. So I like I'm, to I like to find out who thought it was a good idea and who made it. Sounds it's like David Lee Roth. Um, so I, I don't want to I don't want to leave that subject of of Eddie's abuse issues because you know, I've never made um, a secret. We're all human, dude. My yeah. own uh, addiction issues. Um, I will give Eddie Van Halen. I'm not judging him. I'm just, yeah, for me, uh, it's yeah. what you know, era do I like. He was one of the guys that tried to battle his addiction, at least. He went out and up and said, I got some problems. I got, and, and, and in the end, at, when he passed, passed Mark, uh, Mark, I think 90% of the people had good things to say about Eddie Van Halen. He was yeah, and so it's not fair either. So if you go and really dive deep on Eddie Van Halen, he was extremely shy. Think about that poor guy yeah. on stage. Yes, yes. So he hits, he hits his dad up, says, hey, how, how am I going to be able to play in front of all these people? And his dad hands him a cigarette and a beer and goes, this is how I do it. Yeah. And he's I mean, like, what, Dad? Yeah, have a drink before you go on stage. They was definitely work. Uh, there was so I actually know an individual and I won't break his anonymity and I won't talk about anything he said about Eddie Van Halen, but he actually attended some 12 step meetings 
at some point with Eddie Van Halen. And the only words he had about him was he was just the greatest guy. And you got to think that when he's sober or clean, Eddie Van Halen was that great guy that everybody talked about. And yeah, so there's a little side note too. When he was in the 12 step program a couple times, he met Fred. You're going to love this dude. And I, I wish it was one of these what could have maybe happened. Fred Durst. He met up with Fred Durst. I would have loved to seen something done with that. Yeah. Uh, and, I'm telling. And, I'd have been all and, over. And there's a uh, there's a famous video about him and Durst kind of falling out, and Eddie Van Halen showed up at Durst's house with a gun to get his amps back. So, all the stuff. Yeah. So, I, I really. <laughs> I'm not judging, man. I'd have been there. I'm not. I love those guys, man. There's there there needs to be more cowboys like that in this world, man. The yeah. Waylon Jennings, Eddie Van Halen, Johnny Cash. Ronnie Van Zant of ZV's World, Dwayne Almonds, uh, Jimmy. We don't have enough of those guys anymore. I mean, go live it. Not man. anymore. We got Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to be a rock star, be a rock star. All right, man, we've talked about yeah. it long enough. Knock it out the park. So I'm going to set the scene for you. Knoxville Civic Coliseum, 11,000 people in a 10,000-seat arena. They're setting down the aisle. They're setting... I literally, I had some girl setting, you, you've been in Knoxville Coliseum. We saw a lot of shows there. They had these little seats. We, I had some girl, and I'll never forget, she was from Jefferson County High School. I had moved over. She was sitting in half of my seat. I was sitting in the other half of the seat. Um, had been into the uh, rum and coke, very strong, on the way up there. Got there, and this, I just want to make sure the sound's up. It's not. All right. Album Nazis, don't get me for this one. Right. Eddie Van Halen is dressed very casual, some jeans and a t-shirt. David Lee Roth is shirtless. Wearing a pair of silver pants, Michael Anthony has a bag that looks looks like a Jack Daniels bottle, and Alex Van Halen has a neck brace on. That hits the right. go up, and that was my introduction to Van Halen. Is that what an introduction? Is that song probably maybe the worst musical song on the album? But that hook is just so monster that it takes you in. I, man, so it, to me, it's just off by itself. It just, it, it's off to the side of this album. And the song is just, it is, it's unchained. And just real quick, I, I'm going to give it so you can see my hands on my bad internet. I get well, Mark was going to give that a 10, I have a feeling. He'll be back in a second. Um, but, yeah, that's Unchained, and that is the greatest. That is my favorite Van Halen song. And, again, in 1983, again, I was lucky to see a lot of these bands. And then seeing Van Halen in this era, 
it was a little bit before the 84 and things got just huge and out of control. It was actually 82, I believe on the diver down tour. And, um, <clears throat> it was loud. It was proud. I don't know if I was the world's biggest Van Halen fan going into this show, but I left there and I remember, uh, going to the music shop and, uh, I didn't know which album Unchained was on. So I, I, I could sing a little bit of the lyrics to the guy and uh, see if Mark's back yet. Not yet. Um, but I, I was singing the, the lyrics to it and he goes, oh, you want fair warning? And um, oh, here it is. Man. Morgantown, I think you may, you may, I may be on the news tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I, I may be on the news tomorrow. What's that? Did you, I may be down at my internet provider. That may, <laughs> that may be an accidental, accidental fire. <laughs> well, we've got about, <laughs> we've got like 15 minutes. We'll get through it. I was telling this story, Mark, 1983. I'd left the show. I didn't, I did not own a single Van Halen album. I had went to a live show and been converted. I went to Walker's Music Center. I can't imagine. I went to the Walker's Music Center, and I sang part of Unchained, our friend Dale Walker, rest in peace. And he goes, oh, you're looking for a fair warning. And I was like, yeah, is that it? And he plays the first song. And behind there, he's going, is, is that the album? I was like, no. He said, he's not that <laughs> I'm like, no. He flips it over. He plays Unchained. I go, yeah, that's what I'm looking for, Dale. And uh, he sold me that day. He sold me Van Halen 1 and Fair Warning. I had a little money. And I remember Dale, I was about to leave. And everybody needed a Dale Walker in their town, Mark, that would, when you got into music, he would, here, try this. Listen to that. He owned the local mook. So I told him I saw Van Halen the night before. So I remember albums at the time were six ninety eight or something, and he gave me a discount on Van Halen one, and I got out of there that night with like eleven dollars and fifty cents with a copy of Van Halen one and Fair Warning, and I mean old albums, which I so badly wish I still had. But that was my Van Halen story. What do you give Unchained as a song? Well, if you can hear me, if you can, I'm about to swap. Uh... You're good. Uh, computers here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You're good. <laughs> okay. So anyway, my my like I told you that when I heard it, I, I still I was blown away with it. I'm still blown away with it. Uh, I'm jealous that you got to work with uh, people that don't know. We had a, a man in our town who was very very big hearted who really wanted kids to get into music. I don't he think did. that's around anymore. Dale Walker was his name. God rest his soul. Of all things, he died in a car accident and God rest his soul. With, he used to take me off the side. I took music lessons from him and man, let me tell you real quick. I'm going off the sidetrack. Can you hear me? 
Yeah. Can yeah, you hear me yeah. now? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. So what I was saying, I hope you can hear me. So yeah, yeah there great. we are. So man, he he was an amazing man, and that's how that was my, another introduction to Van Halen. Absolutely. So what can you hear me now? Are you able to? So Mark wow. struggling. I'm going to give Internet. <laughs> Let's try this. Hold on just a second, Mark. Or. Hey, Mark. So. Did, uh, did that help you? Yes. Okay. So, so let's, uh, let's just, anyway, yep. Let's just jump to the end of the album. Overall, what do you give, uh, the next push to shove? Good song. Uh, is that one of your, what do you think of that song? I love it. It's a David Lee Roth. It's all over. It's an anthem song. It's got the angst of a teenager, teenager song. Uh, the bass is amazing in it. Uh, I give it an eight. I give, uh -huh. matter of fact, I'm going to go back unchained. I gave it a ten. Push yeah. comes to shove. I give it an eight. Uh, uh, crunchy guitar, pound bass line. Uh, unchained got it. It's just an amazing song. How yep. about? Uh, I gave Unchained a 10. If I could give it an 11, I would. Um, Push Comes to Show. <laughs> I, 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 I really love that song. I gave it a 9, too. Um, Is This Love was the first single off of this album. Is Was that a strange choice? Yeah, you know, you know what? If you took that song and plucked it and put it on 5150, you'd be like, eh, okay. Yeah. It was a sign of things to come too. Uh, I love that song. If it wasn't in this album, it just doesn't make sense in this right. album for me. So I gave it a seven point. Yeah, it's just a, it, I gave it a seven. All right, the next two songs, uh, I believe we get to Sunday in the Park, which is a very instrumental. Almost, that was really a vision of the future with the keyboards. A very dark song, though, wouldn't you think? Well, right off the gate, let me pull the Band-Aid off. I give it another 10. Uh, the song was written for Valerie, Valerie Bertinelli, who he's going to marry. Uh, he uses a synthesizer. His original one broke. He gets another one, keeps tweaking it, and this thing comes out. And this was a prelude to Diver Down coming out. Absolutely. Where he gets heavier into the synthesizer. And I, I don't know many people. we got to remember, man, this is 81. This is new wave and punk and disco. And he takes a synthesizer and makes it heavy and hard. And not this, you know, D.O., Black Sabbath, Deep Purple stuff. He owns it. And it is, to me, it's an amazing piece of work. I, I give it a 10. Uh, Eddie Van Halen, and I think we got a better connection, so let me get a question in here. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen got obsessed with the synthesizer at some point, Mark. Is this the beginning of it? Right. 
this is the first time I remember hearing it in a Van Halen song. I mean, it comes. A- yeah. It's a, Go ahead, so another reason I really love it, and I give it a 10, you know, it's amazing. And then you go fast forward to 84 and jump and he's using a keyboard and it sucks. You're like, how did you go from this to that? Oh, you went for stuff that si- that sells because this thing ain't going to sell. Ain't nobody jamming out the Sunday afternoon in the park unless they really like something hard. So, uh, yeah, man, I I'm not bashing 84 on that one, but jump, yeah. And this is not jump, man. This is heavy, heavy keyboard. Yeah, I want to play just a little bit of this since we've got a better connection. I really think this is an important song to the history of Van Halen. I, it is. And uh, yeah, all right, sorry, Napster. That's the end of it. But I think that's an important part. That sound. <laughs> that yeah, sound, and I love it. That sound a million times over now. Yeah, and it, you know it. I first heard it, my my head exploded. I'm like, what is that? And, you know, just like, you know, when we came out of the gates with Main Streets, you know, another thing you asked, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, that intro right there that you just played. It's crazy. I I gave this an eight and a half. Talking to you, I'm going to nine and a half. It's not unchanged, but it's close. No, it's it's totally different. And he, and, he, and he owns it. I wanted more of it and never got it. Uh, is this album... Is this album... I'm trying to choose my word right. Uh, is this album a album for fans that love pre-Van Halen 1984? Is this, is this like just a glimpse in what could have been if they took the band in a harder and heavy direction. If. Yeah. And to me, it's, you know, this is my favorite Van Halen album, but it's also my, this, my, my, I would say a disappointing album for me because I'll be honest, man, I was really fired up when Diver Down came out and I was like, what is this crap? It was a great album. And it's one of my favorite, but it's, it's so got so many, it was made for radio. It was. I'm like, why didn't you, you know, and we talked about Pantera last week. Tip of the hat to Pantera. Hey, we're going to go lighter. No, we're not. We're going heavier. And I wish that they'd have done this and go, you know what? Well, that was pretty heavy. Let's do it again. That said, I heard they got a lot of pressure from the record label to go and get them hits. Yeah, well, and I'm watching the Kiss biography, which I know you will refuse to just because it's got some cool Ace Freely and B- Peter Chris cuts from the 70s. And they were right. talking about Kiss in the same period that finally the record company, nowadays the record company owns part of the tours. But right. in this era, the only way the record company made money was by selling records. So I'm sure the flat sales a fair warning. They The record company was 
guys, we got to have we got that lighter. Guys, we got to sell albums. We got to sell albums. Dude, it was so bad that they the the band spent two hundred thousand dollars of their own money and called it backdoor payola, and went to the record uh, radio stations and had them play it through promotional gifts. And it finally paid off at the end of the year, and it finally went platinum. But they really had to push it, and I think that's how I got my bootleg copy when they played it on the radio. It was pushed really hard to play it, and uh, you know, thank God they did. That's how I got my hands on it. And as we were talking uh, about, our our buddy Dale Walker gave me a heavily discounted copy of it. I mean, it had been sitting right. on the shelves for a while. Yeah, which is. Man, it just shows you, you know, and diver down to, you know, I always called. So, you know, real quick, I call fair warning, then Van Halen playing chest. I call diver down, Van Halen playing checkers. Well, think about it. I don't know hardly anybody that plays chess. I know a whole lot of people that play checkers. Right. So, so I want to make one more. Anyway. Comment. I got, I got a comment here about why I hate Van Hagar. I want to make this clear. Uh, in this video, I, I really want to get this, this, this concept to everybody. Van Halen was a band with David Lee Roth in it. Sammy Hagar was so much of that next band that even the reason that Sammy Hagar ended up getting booted out of Van Halen was Van Halen actually became Sammy Hagar's band. So yes. his influence is all over that band. This yep. These six albums with David Lee Roth are really Eddie Van Halen's imprint on the music business. Is that a correct statement, Mark? You nailed it. And that's another reason I don't like Van Hagar era. It's a, it's a Sammy Hagar show with a great backup band. Sorry, The backup course. band in the world. Speaking yep, of this yep. last track, and then we'll talk about it, wrap it up. I, very short track. But if you're going to make a two-minute song, you might as well make it rock. And that does on the way out the door. Yeah, yeah so I love this song. And the reason I, one of the reasons I love it, it's out, one foot out the door. They were literally one foot out the door at the studio. They did this in one take and got the out of dodge. Yeah. Yep. That tells you how tough these guys were running. And the keyboard, everything's rocking and they're out. And, Done in 12 days. And 40 Diver grand. Down would, Diver Down would be recorded in 5150. Uh, Alex Van Halen says that's the prelude to 1984. This was the end yep. of the era uh, of Van Halen albums. These four albums are kind of a standalone to me of the Sunset Boulevard scene that they grew out of. Diver Down in 1984 is the Mega Van Van Halen. And then the rest of the catalog is kind of the Van Hagar era. So this is really the end of an era when they one foot out the door. So I'll tell you one more that I love from that era. You ready to judge me? This is going to hurt my credit score. Uh, I love Beat It. Hey, great album. Great solo. Great solo. Yep. By Mr. Eddie Van Halen. Uncredited and unpaid. And his manager was like, dude, you didn't get paid for that? And he's like, no. 
No, I didn't get paid. Yeah, he just wanted, he just wanted to play. Yeah. Overall. And it's an amazing score? piece to work. What is your score And for... I think he did it in one take off. So it might have been two takes, but it wasn't. It was I think it was quick. two. What score do you give fair warning overall? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. What score do you give fair warning overall? Fair warning, I give it a 9.5. I'm with you, 9.5. Mark, do you want to tell everybody what our next album is next week or two weeks from now? Go ahead and announce it. It is, well, after another heated debate uh, with me standing up for Trey Hombres, and Mark standing up for ZZ Top Fandango. It will be ZZ Top Fandango. So join us in two weeks for the album review of the classic ZZ Top Fandango. For Morgantown Mark with all kind of internet problem and frog level Randy, we'll see you next time on the Trailer Park Music Review. Hold on, folks. I think I got you back. Hey, I just closed Man. this out. You got any final words? So. Final words, Mark. <laughs> anyway, if you can hear me, I, I appreciate everybody listening. And uh, oh, there's going to be a big fire in my town tomorrow. So join us in two weeks unless Mark's in prison for Fandango. <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, I, I got one more shout out. I want Elon Musk to hurry up and give you my internet. I'm ready. Right. Evidently tonight, this this one is on you because I've never lost I've never lost connection. So for everybody, hey. Let's dedicate this show to Dale Walker. Rest in peace, my friend. Thank you all. Yeah. We'll see you in two weeks.